I'm Luca Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. Yeah. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the Welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, media member at MavsMoneyBall.com, and I am joined today by you, the Raccoon Squad, the listeners. Isaac is taking a break today. He is doing some kind of church thing. I don't know. He's always at church, and Sundays are really tough for him. So it's just me, and I was working tonight, so I couldn't get anybody else on here, but I am excited. I got a ton of response and tons of fan questions. We are going to get right into this game against the Sacramento Kings. We've already talked all about the the Phoenix Suns game for the Dallas Mavericks. That was a mess. And this was less of a mess, but still kind of there are some problems in it. And so we're going to get to all that. A ton of questions. Some questions about um, you know Dirk coming back into the lineup with Maxi losing out on some minutes. Dwight Powell. Uh, questions about J.J. Barea, J.J. Barea missing another game, Dennis Smith Jr. missing another game against you know Sacramento last night. A lot of different things. Questions um, that you guys sent in about trades. You know, a bunch of questions about trades. It seems like every every loss, and this is not abnormal to an NBA fan base, but every single loss. Okay, what can we do? What kind of big, massive macro moves can we make? And I believe lots of trades are macro moves. They're not these micro, you know, adjust, in-game adjustments or things like that. Uh, and fans are always wanting to make these big moves like that, which is totally understandable. That's that's the whole point of being a fan is loving that kind of stuff. And Isaac and I love the player movement more than anything. So we totally get that. And then a couple questions about free agency. There's people even looking even farther into the future. You know, it's obviously December 15th was was Saturday. And so players like DeAndre Jordan are available to be traded. Anybody that signed this offseason or most anybody that was signed this offseason is able to be traded. And so that's kind of where these trade questions come. But then people are even looking past, you know, the February deadline and saying, okay, coming into the summer, what, you know, what is going to happen to this team? And just fans are always looking for looking forward. And so we'll answer, I'll answer a couple of those as well as best I can. And so let's uh, that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna we have all those different questions, a whole bunch of stuff. We also have audio from Carlisle and Luca. Some really funny stuff from Luca. Uh, well, not not maybe from Luca. A comment about Luca's Luca's comment was really funny. So you'll want to listen to that. Uh, it's about Luca and being drafted by Sacramento. He thought that Sacramento is gonna draft him, and then we'll get into the audio about it afterwards. And then Carlisle talks later. We'll we'll go through all that audio. Uh, with Carlisle post game, we'll talk about you know he talked all about how bringing Dirk back into the lineup, and he said something really fascinating that I really really want to get into uh, about you know the team and bringing Dirk back in, and I just think that it's something that we're gonna have to look at and uh, and address. So that's what we're doing today. We got all these questions, and let's start right away. So the Dallas Mavericks lose to the Sacramento Kings, one hundred and thirteen to one hundred and twenty. Uh, this is a real back and forth game. It just seemed like it kept going back and forth, and then the uh, the, the Kings just made a run, and they kind of never really gave up the lead. They uh, they made a run towards the end of that third quarter, and uh, it was the bench. It was the bench again, <laughs> the Mavericks bench again without JJ Barea. Uh, they struggle, man. They just they struggle. That bench does, 
And it's sad. It's sad that you look at you know the bench and say, dang, without one guy, without this 34-year-old five foot nine guy, the Mavericks bench just goes from really awesome and a strength of their team. Like the, the Mavericks bench, we were talking about the Mavericks bench a couple weeks ago as if it was probably the best thing about the team. It was one of the strongest things. They were giving the Mavs leads, they were keeping leads, they were extending leads. They were just anytime they would come in, it almost seemed like automatic offense, automatic stuff was gonna happen. And they had all this stuff going, and they were rolling, man. That lineup of, of, and this is kind of going to go back into last year a little bit too. That Carlisle gets these lineups, he finds these lineups on the bench, and they start rolling. And then as soon as you try to make some changes to it, it just you know, stops working as as well because those lineups are just you know playing so well. And so this lineup of JJ Barea, Devin Harris. Insert whoever wing you want. Sometimes that was Jalen Brunson even. Sometimes it was, a lot of times it was Dorian Finney-Smith. A lot of times it was Wes Matthews getting thrown back in there. Sometimes it was Luka getting thrown back into the game. And then the two bigs of Maxi and Dwight Powell. And that group was just so good. They were so good at the beginning of the season. Uh, that four-man lineup plus whatever wing you want to throw back in there. And then now it's getting it's getting broken up. Dirk is being introduced back into the team, which we love Dirk. We, you know, the AAC was going insane when Dirk got back into the when Dirk got into the game uh, in this one, and that is something you you love to see, and you love to see that the fans are still, you know, in love with Dirk, even though he's not playing as well as as he used to. He's hobbling around out there. There's just a lot of struggle. You can tell he's really trying to get back in. He only played eight minutes tonight, up from six minutes. So he. <laughs> he keeps this pace, he'll play the entire game by the end of the season, I guess. If he just keeps playing like this. Or maybe by the end of January, however many games they have. But he uh, played eight minutes. He was one of four from the field. He had four boards and uh, and a turnover. But he was plus four. Carlisle mentioned that after the game, that one of the things he liked about Dirk. And if you ever ask Carlisle, what do you, what do you like about a player? You know, what did you think about this player's performance tonight? What did you think about Dirk tonight? What did you think about, you know, De- DeAndre Jordan, blah, blah, blah. He'll always point to his plus minus first. I don't know why. It's just something that he always does. And so when Isaac and I always talk about plus minus, uh, and plus minus is whenever a player is in the game, the score of the game, how it, you know, evens out. So if, if the Mavericks go up, you know, four points in the uh, in the time that the Dirk is on the floor, um, from where they started when Dirk entered the game, that's kind of where it is. So whatever run that team goes on um, is your plus minus, and it ends up evening out after all of your your minutes. And uh, Dirk was a plus four. He was one of the highest on the team. Uh, Ryan Brokoff, which we will talk about Brokoff. <laughs> Ryan Brokoff getting some minutes was a plus nine. Dirk was a plus four, and so Carlisle pointed that out first. He said, he said Dirk being a plus four was you know positive. I liked that we were positive in the minutes that he played, and he mentioned that Dirk was a ball mover. That's that's a really good point. Is that Dirk moves the ball, and he sort of has to on necessity at this point because he's not just going to you know stop and try to break somebody down. He'll do it if he has a guy like um, who was on him against Phoenix, uh, a smaller guard on him against in uh, in Phoenix, or. Uh, last night when Buddy Heald was on was on Dirk. That's when you're going to see Dirk kind of break somebody down and do his you know his patented one-legged fade. But he's not going to take a big off the dribble anymore obviously, you know. But he he so some of the ball movement has to be on necessity. He just can't, you know, <laughs> make those moves anymore. But he does move the ball. Carlisle's right. He does. He is a good ball mover. He he moves it around. He's always it seems like he's always moving. 
Whenever you see Dirk, you know, pass the ball off, he moves and tries to set an off ball screen. Or if some, you know, if another ball handler comes up to him, he tries to set a screen. He always is just moving around, trying to find open space. And uh, he's just really good at it. That's where you see how smart Dirk is about basketball. Always trying to find open spots. And even when earlier in this game, I think Devin Harris or maybe it was Wes Matthews was driving and Dirk noticed that the big, that I think it was Willie Colley-Stein that was guarding him, you know, you know, tried to to uh, tag or try to come over and help on you know the driver, and so he just he went with him, and Dirk just stepped two two feet back, just like took two steps back. It was the simplest little thing, but it gave him the space to be able to hit this open shot, uh, the, the open jumper that he hit, and uh, it's just how smart Dirk is, and we just love Dirk, and can't can't say enough about Dirk even at this point in his career. So, but Carlisle like that about him, um, and. But, man, the Mavericks do have this problem, though, of trying to bring Dirk back into the lineup. And they were positive in the minutes that he played, but we have to be so careful in the way that we talk about this. Can it be a false positive, Dirk playing positively in his minutes? Because that lineup was playing so well. Because, you know, you bring Maxi in, and Maxie's just playing so well. At one point, he was playing better than pretty much anyone else on the floor uh, last night. He was 4 of 8 from the field, 11 points two rebounds and uh, he was plus three and he was one of one of four from three and he struggled to shoot early but he eventually came on and he man he has these pump fakes and drives that we were not seeing last year we were just not seeing Maxi Kleba make these kinds of plays and now we are and so it's pretty awesome but when we come back let's hear from Carlisle because or let's let's answer a few questions and then we'll hear from Carlisle about bringing Dirk back into the lineup and you know, this integration of Dirk into the rotation, Maxi losing minutes, Dwight Powell playing with both of them. And let's talk about that when we come back. All right. So here's a couple questions from some fans, uh, from some listeners tonight. Poor man, three zero Dwight should be the guy that gets less minutes instead of Maxi. Is there a rule that says only one German can play at the same time in one team? Uh, Definitely not. Uh, Dirk and Maxi have played a little bit together, but, uh, but, the Dwight Powell and Dirk lineup was just so good last year, and then the Maxi and Dwight Powell lineup was so good this year, and so they're trying to trying to balance it. I'm not really sure, but we'll get into that in just a second. Here's another question from Drew Wright. All for getting Dirk some spot minutes and trying to see if he can fit into the rotation, but if it means Maxi isn't going to play, I'm not on board with it. What do we do about this Maxi-Dirk situation? All right, so let's get into it. What do we do about the Maxi and Dirk situation? And is it even a situation? Do we think it's a situation? Dirk coming back, he's obviously going to get minutes. <laughs> you know, at one point, not last year, maybe two years ago, Carlisle said, as long as Dirk Nowitzki is on this team, as long as Dirk, the legend, is playing on the Mavericks, he will have a starting spot. And Carlisle held true to that until this year. When Dirk is coming off of injury, he's getting put back in the lineup. He's playing very little minutes, and he you know, was not going to be a starter even if he began the season playing. He was not going to be a starter because Dirk gave that up. He said that I want to do the best for the team. Isaac said over and over, Dirk wants to do the best for the team. He hates you know, this idea that the Mavericks are losing and he may be some part of it, and so he you know, decided to relinquish his spot to whoever. I think it was probably Luka who ended up getting the, the spot instead of Dirk. And so Carlisle was just was going to start Dirk. There's no way he's not going to be in the rotation. There's no way Dirk is going to get DMP CDs. He's going to get DMP rests. There's de- definitely times he's going to get DMP rests, especially on 
you know, first or the second night of a back-to-back. But he's going to be in the rotation. There's there's no way around it. He is a legend. The fans love him. And we've talked a lot about how there's you guys that listen to this podcast, the Raccoon Squad. There's all these people that, that listen and they're into it day, to, day in and day out. They love all of it. And you, you guys are kind of the people that are saying, man, if he's not, you know, we love Dirk, but if he's not super into this, this is what, what one of our listeners, Drew Wright, was saying. If he's not super into this, I'm not on board with giving Dirk minutes over a player that may be able to play better than him, may be able to you know, do more things than Dirk at this point in his career. Whereas most of the fans that go to the AAC, and I went to pretty much every home game and preseason game and lots of, lots of things at the AAC for two years, most of the fans at the AAC are very casual basketball fans. If, if not just casual sports fans, <laughs> they, you know, latch on to whatever things that they can find. They latch on to, you know, a name that they know. A lot of people come in and they don't know the n- names of every player on the team. Uh, I guarantee you there a lot of the fans at the Sacramento game last night did not know who Ryan Brokoff is. They're pulling out their phones. They're pulling out their program, trying to figure out who this white guy is and why this blogger is, is allowed to play basketball and is allowed to be on the floor, sort of the Joe Ingles effect. So I'm sure that, that there's part of it, there's part of this whole situation that takes that into account as well. So Dirk is obviously going to get minutes because of you know Carlisle's respect for him, the team's respect for him, the you know players' respect for him. He's obviously going to get minutes because he, you know, is part is he, he's this legend and part of the franchise and he he is the franchise. Let's not just part. Let's let's throw that comment away. He is he is the franchise. He is the franchise. He has 21 seasons. Uh, I tweeted tonight. His career can drink now. His career is it's old enough to buy alcohol in this in uh, in America. And so Dirk is obviously going to get minutes. He can still be effective. He's slowly getting back into that, but he can still be effective. He's still going to be able to, to hit his jumper. We saw one tonight or last night. He's still going to be able to to play standing still defense. <laughs> Dirk, that's kind of what Dirk's defense is. He had a decent def- defensive play tonight against Buddy Heald when Buddy tried to drive into the lane. And whenever Dirk is in front of you and you can't sidestep him or you can't, you know, fake him with a dribble. Uh, you're not going to be able to fake him with a pump fake. And so you, Dirk is going to be able to stay you know, in his spot, going to control his ground, and he's going to you know, not give up as much when he's in position. But when he's not in position, it's a different story. But that, those are the areas that Dirk can still be positive in in this game and, and the ball movement, like Carlisle said. And so for those three reasons, Dirk is definitely going to get minutes just because you know Maxi comes in. And I there's part of me that wonders, and, I, man, I wish I was there to ask Maxi about this. Is was Maxi gunning tonight? And some a lot of these were open, and so he should take these open shots because he should be a good shooter in this league. He has a good jump shot. He was a really good shooter overseas, just really hasn't translated so far. You know, it's translated early in the season, but really hasn't translated so far uh, this season. He should be taking those jumpers, but I wonder if he's gunning to try and prove his value because he's the one that lost minutes. <laughs> you really wonder that kind of stuff, especially since he's going to be a free agent this summer. That's something we're going to talk about in a little bit. Uh, but let's get to the, let's get to the audio. This is what Carlisle said. He he addressed this issue. I think Eddie Sefko, the Dallas Morning News, asked the question. You know, what do you do with this whole situation with Maxi and Dirk and bringing him? Do you want to? I think Eddie used the phrase. Do you want to upset the apple cart by you know bringing Dirk in and trying to and not trying, but in 
messing up this lineup that has been so good for this team. So this is Rick's response to that. Well, we've talked. Um, I've talked to the team about it. Talked to the, the second unit guys specifically yesterday about how we're going to approach it. Um, and I'm not going to get. I'm not going to get into the details, but um, there are challenges with it. I thought tonight went really well from the standpoint of uh, how Dirk played and the, and the extended run we were able to get him. Um, and, uh, you know, we need to have as many available healthy guys as we can and, you know, get Dirk back healthy, in condition, in rhythm is a plus for us. Um, so, you know, we'll get there and we'll deal with the other challenges too. But it's, it all comes down to, you know, communication and, and guys really having to be sort of another level of, of you know, above the fray and being able to, to deal with these challenges, you know, keeping yourself ready. So the interesting part to me was that Carlisle specifically addressed this with the second unit. He noticed that this was going to be a thing. He knew that this was going to be a problem. And he addressed this before the Sacramento game. So not that it, you know, it was obviously a problem, you know, last night against Sacramento, but he knew it was going to be a problem after the Phoenix game because there were some issues with that as well. There's just all this rhythm, all these, you know, he mentioned there's going to be challenges with it. <laughs> and some of the challenges are, you know, not having that, that good of a lineup in there um, like they had at the beginning of the season. But it just it's interesting that Carlisle's addressing it. He understands. He knows. He knows that this is not ideal for this team and these are the decisions this Mavericks team is going to have to play no longer are the Mavericks in this situation where they just play the younger guys or they you know they just play the you know the the veterans that they like you know it's you no longer get to make decisions like that this team is playing to win now this team does not get to have the luxury of you know just giving minutes to anybody whenever they feel like it (laughs) In that way, where you know Dirk's gonna get a lot of minutes just because he is a, the face of the franchise, where you know a guy like Nico Brasino is gonna get gonna get minutes to see if we can develop him into something. Yogi's gonna get a ton of minutes to see if we can develop him into something. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith gets minutes just because the Mavericks want to see what they want to develop. Dennis Smith Jr. getting you know twenty shots in a game is probably not gonna happen very often this season. Just just to try and develop him into you know the scoring guard. Mavericks just don't get to make decisions like that anymore. They've become a good team. <laughs> and when they when you've become a good team, these are the decisions you have to make. And they're so tough. They're so tough. Um, and so all this, all this to say, this whole problem with the lineups, this whole Dirk Maxi situation, and I think they should still be playing Dirk. I don't think that, you know, bringing him in is going to dis- destroy all this stuff that they've w- built and worked so hard. That I think the problem is, and this is the question that um, Matt Hawkins asked. Is J.J. Barea our most important player? This is an excellent question because I think it's true. <laughs> I think that J.J. Barea is the most important player for the Mavericks because the bench was such a position of strength, especially when the starters weren't playing very well. The the bench, the Mavericks bench with J.J. and Devin and Maxi and Dwight were, were putting the Mavericks into games. They were keeping the Mavericks in games. They were extending the Mavericks' leads in games. They're doing all the things you want them to do. And they're taking advantage of weak second units on other teams. They're taking advantage of good second units on other teams. And 
man, J.J. Brea is is really the oil that just makes everything run. He is the guy that makes the ball move. He drives, he kicks, he finds open guys. He makes awesome passes. He's just a wizard with the ball. And when he and Dirk play together, it's going to be way different. It's going to look way different than when Jalen Brunson plays with Dirk, who has played with Dirk now, what, maybe like 17 minutes? Not even that. He's played with Dirk 14 minutes. If he played all the minutes that Dirk has played so far. There's just a lot of, of there's a lot more chemistry with J.J. Bray and Dirk than maybe any other combo in the entire league. And you can't just throw a rookie point guard in there and say, all right, well, you know, play with Dirk now <laughs> and do the things that J.J. Barea was doing and we expect them now or else we're going to question whether Maxi should be getting more minutes than Dirk. There's, there's, a big, there's a big problem with that. You know, J.J. is going to come back and we're going to see a different Dirk and, and J.J. And Devin and, and Dirk aren't exactly that. Devin is just a different player than J.J. He, he's, not, he's not really the oil that makes it work. He's kind of like a, he's like a piston. <laughs> I know nothing about cars. I know that those things exist. So when JJ comes back, I feel like that's going to be different. And I believe, you know, Matt's question is sort of a leading question. Is JJ our most important player? Uh, I completely kind of agree with that. But then Enzo asked this question with Dennis Smith Jr. and JJ coming back. What's happening with Brunson? Brunson's spot is probably going to go back to where it was before. He's going to be a third guard. He's going to be asked to play minutes when JJ and, and Dennis Smith Jr. can't play. It's the exact you know, situation. The Mavericks are still committed to Dennis Smith Jr. They're, you know, obviously JJ, I just said, is one of the most important players on the team. And so they're obviously committed to him, but they are are committed to Dennis Smith Jr. playing a lot on this team, even though Jalen Brunson has played very well in the times that he's been given. Um, he played decently tonight. He's 5 of 13 from the field. That's not great, but 0 of 4 from, from 3. No one shot well from 3 for the Mavericks. They shot 25%. They were 9 of 35. So you kind of take that away from him. But, uh, yeah, he had 12 points, four rebounds, three assists, only two turnovers, and he was a minus seven for the game. But I thought he played well. He had a couple good defensive plays on De'Aaron Fox, and uh, Jalen Brunson's probably given up a good six inches on De'Aaron Fox. That is a tough match for him to try to take. So, uh, okay, a couple more questions here. Questions on. <laughs> okay, this is one from uh, Dylan Robert. Why does Dwight Powell's play always irritate me? I saw a lot of this on Twitter where people were saying that Dwight Powell played really bad, and I don't, I didn't think Dwight Powell, Powell played that bad. Uh, he had eight points, he had three boards, two assists, he had a, a steal and a block. He was plus one for the game. He's three of five. He only took one three, which uh, it kind of sometimes there's a correlation with the amount of threes that Dwight takes and the amount of hate he gets on Twitter for how bad he plays. Uh, I just didn't think he played that that terribly. Uh, there is still that. You know, weird kind of stuff with him playing with Jalen and not with J.J. When he plays with J.J., Dwight Powell looks amazing. When he plays with anyone else, he kind of looks average. <laughs> Even in the the role that Carlisle has carved out for him that he's playing, you know, well in. Uh, to answer your question, I think that's why. When he takes threes, <laughs> it irritates you. Uh, and he does weird things like when when a guard like Jalen or Tevin tries to throw a, uh, an alley-oop to him, he'll... If he misses it, he'll catch it and just land out of bounds. That stuff is so irritating for for a fan. I just every time I watch it, I'm like, try to throw a pass, try to do something else. He just kind of catches it like he's catching a touchdown. Uh, so I don't know about that. Uh, there's a couple questions on Harrison Barnes from Varun. Is it bad that we gave Harrison Barnes a player option this coming year? Twenty five million is too much in my opinion. And from Brian Dorsey, why is Harrison Barnes such a black hole? He's the Black Falcon, by the way. Such a black hole and allergic to passing. Uh, 
Ooh, those are big questions. And let's take a break. And when we come back, let's have a conversation about Harrison Barnes. So Harrison Barnes. Um, man, I got another question that says, is there any player that looks more useless when he doesn't hit his shot than Harrison Barnes? I can't remember who, who sent me that question, but I remember it it's very well. Harrison Barnes is this player that everyone's going to ride or die on his jump shot. They're going to say if he's not hitting his jump shot tonight, he was 5 of 16 from the field, 31% from the floor. He hit three of his seven threes, which is which is good. Uh, he was 2 of 2 from the free throw line, but two rebounds, zero assists, only shot two free throws, uh, one turnover, one steal, one block, 15 points. He's negative 14. He had some, he had some decent defense. But then there was this that play towards the end where Fox just kind of lit him up. <laughs> and those are the things that really stick out, those 10% kind of plays that I think a lot of players have. Um, but $25 million for Harrison Barnes, that's kind of the going rate for these wings. And that's why a lot of people are, are nervous about, you know, uh, at, this is the reason why, okay, Harrison Barnes is the reason why the Wizards traded Kelly Oubre earlier this, this week. They traded Kelly Oubre because they don't want to pay him. They try to get somebody that's going to help them right now, which Trevor Reza helps more than Kelly Oubre does right now. But Kelly Oubre is a young player that can develop into something really good. And no, not just a male model, which he probably is eventually going to be in his life. Uh, according to every everyone on Twitter and every female on Twitter and everyone with eyes on Twitter. But Kelly Oubre is this you know young player and he's going to be restricted free agent, I think, this summer. I believe he's restricted. And the Wizards just don't have cap to pay anybody. They have these three guys that they have locked into these huge deals. They have, you know, Jan Mahimi, who has this huge deal that they are still paying, you know, next year as well. And so they didn't want to pay him. And they wanted to try to get something for him now. And so they sent him to, you know, in in the Brooks non-Brooks trade to the Phoenix Suns. And so... Harrison Barnes got a lot of money and he's still going to get money and he would probably still get money from from a team this offseason because wings that can play defense and that can play some offense are in high demand right now because of this positionless basketball thing. When when you want to play more positionless, when you want these lineups of, you know, no guards, no centers on the floor, these, you know, Brad Stevens Celtics lineups, these Warriors death lineups kind of things. You need more wings at that point. And so wings become, you know, needed a lot more and they, they become at a premium. And so uh, 25 million for Harrison Barnes sounds like a lot, especially after a night when he does not play well, but that's kind of the going rate. That's what, that's what it is. Uh, 25 million is too much in his opinion, but, uh, but I think that's just what you would get. Uh, there would be a team out there. I think that would still pay Harrison Barnes that kind of money because teams just need that. And they look at what Harrison Barnes can be and not what he has been in, you know, in, in sometimes. And he still does play good defense. He still can hit shots. When he doesn't, it really stands out because he doesn't rebound or assist. This is court. him Harrison Barnes and Dennis Jr. have sort of the same problems in certain things. They don't rebound, they don't assist, they don't really, you know. Uh Dennis Jr. assists a lot more than Harrison Barnes does. But, you know, Dennis Smith Jr. is on the defensive side, doesn't play defense that well. He has been a lot, you know, has been more so this season, but that they sort of have those Lap those lacks, they have lack in different areas of their game that frustrates fans. Uh, but why is Harrison Barnes such a black hole and allergic to passing? I don't know. You'd have to ask him that. It does seem like there are times that that uh, screenshot that I shared from the Phoenix Suns game where he just drives into four guys and somebody's going to be open. If there's four guys looking at you, 
Somebody is open. And uh, he did not pass out. So, <laughs> and I don't know what to tell you. Uh, a couple more questions. Is it time? <clears throat> is it time for a trade? Asked Juan. Uh, Dylan Catrino asks, what trades can be made to turn this around? The German MFFL asks, trade Jordan? Question mark, exclamation point. Drew Wright says, can we trade Harrison Barnes for Bogdanovich? I'm guessing he's thinking uh, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich from the Sacramento Kings that the, the, the Mavs just played. For Bogdanovich straight up. And then Ace uh, asks, who do we trade for Wes and Barnes? These are all good questions, but the answer to the last question, who do we trade for Weston Barnes? You take Harrison Barnes and Wes Matthews and you try to go trade them for someone else that's like Harrison Barnes and Wes Matthews because you can't just go and try to get a diametrically different player than those two guys and you know try to get better. You're not going to go get a point guard. <laughs> okay, that, those are that's obviously different than those guys. You're not going to go try to get a big. This team has so many bigs and we just talked about how they have this whole problem with these bigs. You're going to go look for 3 and D guys. And those guys, theoretically, are 3 and D. And a lot of nights, they are. Wes Matthews has been a lot better. He shot 30% tonight. Nobody shot shot well against Sacramento tonight. But he was 3 of 6 from 3. He played some good defense at times. He had 4 assists in this game, 2 steals, 13 points. Uh, he had 5 fouls. So he was taking, he was, he was using all his fouls. And he was only a minus 1 for the game. Wes Matthews has played really well as of late. And uh, I don't see as many Wes Matthews trade suggestions in my mentions as much as now Harrison Barnes. So I guess that's a positive <laughs> as well. But you, tr- you, who do we trade for those guys? You would go try to trade for guys that are like them. And so I don't think that that is worth it unless you can package Barnes and someone or Wes and someone else for you know a guy that's exponentially better than both of those guys, which is very hard because of the assets the Mavericks have or you know, don't have. Couple more questions. Adam Hayden, who do the Mavs extend in the offseason? And who do you feel is most likely to end up in a trade? And then another free agency question from Dylan Roper. Should the Mavs have made an offer for Capella? Let's answer the last one first. Yes, the Mavericks should have made an offer for Capella. I think it was Zach Lowe with, oh man, I, I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was Brian Woodhorse, somebody. It said they think that the Rockets may have backed off if a team made a big enough offer for a guy like Capella and the Mavericks had the money and the Mavericks did not go and spend the money. Maybe they were scared off by something, but they didn't go do it. They definitely should have made an offer for Capella, but from Adam Hayden, Adam Hayden, who do the Mavericks extend in the off season and who do you feel is most likely to end up in a trade? Man, you're gonna, man, I don't think, I don't know what the, the rules are as far as extending Maxi or, or Dorian Finney Smith. Those are the two guys that you really think, you know, the Mavericks would want to retain. DeAndre Jordan is tough. If you look at the center market and you say, man, I don't think that the Mavericks are going to go after DeMarcus Cousins. Maybe they will, but I don't think they, they will because of you know the style of their offense and the way that they need somebody who can theoretically play defense. And so maybe – my guess is that they try and bring DeAndre back at this point because DeAndre has been such a good teammate and – uh that stands out to, you know, he's been this guy that goes up to Luca and taps him on the head and brings him close to his chest and whispers, you know, nice things into his ear and <laughs> encourages him. And uh, I think that the Mavericks really like things like that. They love Wes Matthews' fieriness, and so they, they love him around. And the Mavericks fall in love with things like that. And so I think they'll try to keep DeAndre around for those reasons. And, and man, DeAndre had a great game. Uh, not a great okay. DeAndre had some great moments tonight. He did some great things tonight. Let me put it that way. 
DeAndre had 23 rebounds, which this team desperately needs. I'm just going to say that over and over again because it's so true. The Mavericks desperately needed rebounding. And he had 10 offensive rebounds, and those were all massive. Uh, two plays almost in a row. I think they were. there's a couple possessions in between them, but two plays in the fourth quarter where DeAndre Jordan was able to Tyson tip out the ball after a missed three and go to another player, whether it's Wes or Jalen or Luka, and try to attempt a three again. So you got four threes. Just be, you got you got two extra threes off of those possessions just because DeAndre is able to to tap that ball and no one else in the Mavericks can do that. Dwight does it sometimes. He's just not as big, as long, or as strong as you know DeAndre. Maxi can do it sometimes, but DeAndre just does it on a different level. He had three. DeAndre also had three assists tonight, zero turnovers, which is massive. That's such a big thing. Your center that is low usage should not be turning over the ball as much as he does. And three blocks. He had some big blocks tonight, and. Um, that's something that we've been asking DeAndre to do. Now, he did have a play where <laughs> these are the plays that I mentioned in my video breakdown on my YouTube channel is that DeAndre does get stuck in these things where if he tries to go help when De'Aaron Fox is driving in the lane on transition, if he tries to go up and step up and try to stop a De'Aaron Fox floater, De'Aaron Fox jump shot, then he's going to have somebody behind him, his man, Willie Cauley-Stein, you know, drive, you know uh, crashing to the board, cutting to the rim, and is available for a lob. <laughs> he gets stuck in these situations and he got stuck in one tonight. And it was, it was a, this massive dunk by Willie Colley Stein that kind of uh, gave the Kings a little bit more momentum. So he gets stuck in those situations, but he had three blocks, which were, were good tonight. And then man, I can't end the podcast without saying Luca. He's just great. Again, uh, 28 points, six sports, nine assists. When we got a lot of point Luca tonight, uh, but he himself, he had a great game. He was 9 of 15 from the floor, but 1 of 5 from 3. The threes were massive for the Mavericks. And when the Mavericks aren't hitting threes, and when they're not hitting them at least at a decent clip, it's just really tough for this team to win games. And so that's the biggest thing, I think. They didn't even turn the ball over that much. They had 14 turnovers. But that's the biggest thing. And uh, that's going to end it for us, for me tonight. Guys, thanks so much for, for listening to the podcast. Thanks for getting in questions. It's amazing. <laughs> Thinking back to my time at... You know, before I was with Mavs Fanatic, then when I was with Mavs Fanatic, and when I even when I first started with Mavs Moneyball and the Lockdown Podcast, I would say, "Hey guys, send me your questions, you know, for for a mailbag or something." And I wouldn't get questions, and now I just get tons of response, and I didn't even get to all of them tonight. So we really appreciate that. And before we go, let's hear Luca talk about Sacramento potentially drafting him. Was that a surprising thing the way that turned out? You, I mean, there's so many people felt like with Vlade knowing your game so well that it was a natural fit. Yeah, uh, I mean, I thought about it, uh, but maybe uh, they had uh, they didn't have a big one, big guard. So I mean, guard, uh, power forward, a big guy. They need a big guy, so it's just better fit for them. You don't really believe that, do you? Huh? You don't really believe that. <laughs> I, I feel I'm very excited being in Dallas, so I'm just very happy to be here. <laughs> you got to love it. You got to love Tim McMahon coming in there and saying, you don't really believe that, do you? You don't really believe that just because they need a big, that they are going to go with the big and take Bagley. And uh, he thought that the, the Kings were going to draft him. So love that kind of stuff. Love that he said he loves it here in Dallas. I think he really does. Guys, thanks so much for listening to the Locked on Mavericks podcast. Peace out. Boom. Boom.